I think the main question that people have is, the creature, what is it that you want? Fred, what we want is, I think, what everyone wants, and what you and your viewers have, civilization. Yes, but uh, what sort of civilization are you speaking of, creature? The niceties, Fred, the fine points. Diplomacy, compassion, standards, manners, tradition. That's what we're reaching toward. Oh, we may stumble along the way, but civilization, yes. The Geneva Convention, chamber music, Susan Sontag. Everything your society has worked so hard to accomplish over the centuries, that's what we aspire to. We want to be civilized. I mean, you take a look at this fellow here. Now, was that civilized? No, clearly not. Fun, but in no sense civilized. Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I'm Tristan. And I'm Greg. Good to see you, Tristan. Good to hear you. We're back uh, We're back in our separate places of residence. Yes. And audio, everything's working. Video, Dolby, 4K. It's seamless technology. It's like, it's like working in a smart building, you know? Mm. With all of this seamlessly mm, oh, connected yeah. devices and technologies, and uh, it's it's amazing. Mm, yeah, it is. But we're, we're in Sequel Town this week, Greg. Uh, we are sequel to a film we did a while ago. Mm-hmm. Gremlins was one of our early episodes. <coughs> well, yeah. I was listening to our Gremlins episode today, and that was I got to say. Oh, well, side note, it's always nice when your research for the pod can include just listening to one of your old episodes. But one mm. of the highlights was your wonderful Mogwai uh, impressions. Oh, yeah? Yeah, they're good. Yeah, look out, Howie Mandel. That's a, that's a, that's a cue. That's a cue. Oh. Bye, bye. There you go. <laughs> That'll do. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't my best. <clears throat> I kind of choked mid That's okay. You, start, you can't start at 11, man. You, you start there and you just turn it up. Down it up. Maybe Down it's a it bald up. thing because Howie Mandel has about as much hair as me. That's true. That's true. That's what it is. Maybe we're mugwise. Maybe bald men are mugwise. Maybe. But yes, it's a sequel. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we haven't done too many sequels. I think often because the sequels are uh, often cherished franchises and, and, and rushing to do a sequel just is one step closer to finishing the franchise. And in this uh-huh. case, this is the end. For now, at least, it's a door, a door closing. A door closing, exactly. What was once a door opening is now a door closing. Gremlins two, nineteen mm. ninety was the year. What, what Maybe this is a screen door because oh, you can, yeah. there's talk of a third, so you know you can still kind of see through. That's true. The door is like a jar, maybe still. Mm. 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 Yeah, it's very astute on your part. What can you tell us about nineteen ninety, Greg? Well. What can't I tell you about 1990, Tristan? The 80s are no more. Uh, of course, it's very famous for the uh, unification of Yemen. Ah, of course, yeah. Um, however, I thought I'd take us back to the sporting world. Um, mm. We famously, well, we covered the infamous, I should say, um, Tyson Holyfield ear nibble scenario uh, yes. a few episodes ago. 
Yes. So we've got more Tyson today. Um, it's more bad news for Tyson, which I don't want to make this a theme because I'm obviously a big fan. I've said that. Um, mm. But 1990 was the year he very famously lost uh, uh, his unification of the heavyweight titles to one Buster Douglas. Are you familiar with this scenario? I'm not. I am not. This was a big one, a huge one, um, still regarded by many as – well, one of the greatest sporting upsets of all time. So Tyson at this point is every bit the celebrity. Um, he's in his relationship with Robin Givens, um, which at that point was quite turbulent and there was a lot of uh, alleged abuse yeah. in the press and such. He was partying a lot. There was a lot of uh, contractual battles with his manager and Don King. So he's got a lot of stuff going on outside and he's really sort of, I guess, succumbed to the celebrity world and, and all the um, pitfalls um, that are attached to it, which we've yeah. since known um, uh, to be a part of Tyson's sort of early downfall. So yeah. this was sort of like the catalyst of all that. So he was due to fight Buster Douglas in what was widely regarded as a tune-up fight before the big fight against Holyfield. Right. So I think Buster Douglas was ranked number seven um, by Ring Mag, number seven heavyweight in the world. Um, Tyson was not unanimously, but pretty regard, pretty well regarded as the pound, number one pound for pound fighter yeah. um, in the world, which is not common for heavyweights. And just generally, like outside of Frank Dukes, outside of Frank Dukes, yeah, of course. Um, the analysts thought this was going to be over in half a round. Like a lot of yeah. places, you couldn't even bet on it, and if you could. It was like 40-something to one, um, which is unheard of odds for boxing. So you get the idea. Yeah. And the fight just didn't go that way. Tyson, which is famous for his head movement, um, for his slipping, for his ducking, just was pretty flat-footed, throwing, you know, single punches, trying to land a, you know, the big shot early, which isn't really his style. And on the other hand, Buster Douglas, who was a much taller guy, used his reach, jabbed, jabbed away and kind of just took control of the fight. Tyson came back late, knocked him down, but it was like kind of too little too late. Um, Tyson didn't even have a, like a cut man in his corner. They didn't even have ice packs. That's how confident they were of beating this guy. So it was a big deal. And um, yeah, late comeback from Tyson, but then it was sort of too little too late and I think he got... KO'd in like the 10th, he was just a bit worn down. And then after the fight, uh, there was a bunch of controversy. Tyson tried to say or tried to claim it was a um, sort of like a no contest or sort of a robbery because he had knocked Douglas down and there was controversy around the length of the count before he got up, which he since abandoned and it was all rectified. But funnily yeah. enough, Bobby Brown wrote in his autobiography that – so this was in Tokyo. This fight took place in Tokyo – um, in Bobby Brown's autobiography, he talks about how he was with Tyson the night before his fight. Yeah. Okay. And Tyson didn't even sleep. 
Like he was out partying and just was like, this guy's an amateur. I can fight him after five weeks of no sleep. This feels like exactly that scenario. (laughs) Before you even got Mm. to that, it's like it sounds like it's all adding up to partying too hard, thinking he's got this. Fuck. Yeah. Distractions outside the ring. I don't know what his camp was like. And um, yeah. Yeah. That was a big one. And Buster Douglas, unfortunately, didn't. Really last too much longer for him. He had he defended his titles against Holyfield eight months later, and I think he got stopped in about the third round. Um, so he didn't really go on too much from there. But down as you know, one of the biggest upsets in sporting history isn't a bad accolade to have to your name if you're Douglas. Less so for Tyson. How old is he now, this Douglas fella? Oh, he'd be sixty odd, I think. Yeah, right. Um, Jake Paul will yeah. probably fight him soon. Though. James Douglas. Buster Douglas. Jake Paul would probably be calling him out. That's a that's yeah. very astute on your part. Yeah. And then he'll be like, you know, by logic, that means I beat Mike Tyson. <laughs> yeah. I beat the guy that beat the guy. Well, he's trying to – I think his brother's trying to, like, agreed to fight Tyson, hasn't he? Really? Yeah. Logan. <sighs> you know what? Jake Paul is so unlikable that he makes Logan Paul extremely likable now. <laughs> he seems like the nice one. Yeah, it's all comparison, uh, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. actually, Jake Paul. Jake Paul is fighting a boxer soon. He's fighting uh, Tommy Fury, who's a, a relative of um, heavyweight champ Tyson. Yeah, right. How related? It's not his son or something, is it? I think he's like his cousin. And Tyson is actually named after Mike Tyson. He is. Yeah, I saw that recently. We're big, big friend of the show. Yeah, love big fans. Tyson Fury. Yeah. So that's a little bit more boxing trivia. Maybe we'll, we'll, we'll weave in a good Tyson story soon. Yeah. Mm. I've been watching um, – Will Smith's got a uh, new show on YouTube mm-hmm. called Best Shape of My Life or Worst Shape of My Life. I can't remember. But he's in the worst shape of mm. his life and the goal is to get in the best shape of his life. And like the whole thing, the whole his whole routine is a bit – is set up like a, a fight camp, like pre-fight camp kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. It's interesting for a few reasons. A, because like the worst shape of his life is not that bad. Mm. Like it's, he just looks like a, a human. <laughs> he just looks like an average Joe. Yeah. Or not even. Yeah. And then the cynical part of my brain's like, you know, he's just had a book come out and that's quite integrated into it too. He's trying to sell a book. But I will say, you know, yeah. having, um, it's not exactly the same as the Tyson thing. It's kind of the opposite, really. Not that I've been partying that hard because we've been in lockdown, but just just the the fatness hangover of lockdown and watching Will Smith in a similar situation has been very motivating. Oh, that's good. So it's like a, it's like a bit like Tyson after that fight. It's time to it's time to pull up my bootstraps mm. and uh, get back on top of this shit. You know. Yeah. Well, Tyson did go to jail. A I'm going to skip fight, that but... part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe don't follow his path too closely at that point of his life. Yeah, that's a good call actually. Focus yeah. on current Tyson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get, in, get, into, get into weed, the weed business. Oh, man, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Like, how do we do that? How do we do that? Because, man. I don't know. A guy I went to high school actually now has a, a weed farm up there in the, somewhere. I mean, there were definitely some weed entrepreneurs in high school. I wonder what they're doing mm. now. <laughs> <clears throat> Probably uh, more Tyson's uh, yeah. earlier years. Big year for Buster Douglas. 
Big year for the box office. Big year for the movies, the pictures, the talkies. Was it? Yeah. Uh, number one that year, a little film called Ghost, otherwise known as the film that made Greg cry. Oh, my God. It's the year of Home Alone. Pretty Woman. Oh. Dances with Wolves. Total Recall, Back to the Future Part 3. Man, there's some big ones this year, man. The Kindergarten Cub, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and many more. Child's Play 2. Wait, is this our most it's done year? It might be because there's a lot here, isn't there? There's a lot. There's a lot. No wonder I'm r- running out of things to say. <laughs> but there was a little film, Greg, a little sequel. Mm-hmm. Came in at number 33 that year, a little bit to unpack there. A little film called Gremlins 2, The New Batch. June of 1990, not Christmas notably, because I was curious about that. We strategically kind of slotted it in here because neither of us really knew if it was if it was at all Christmas yeah. adjacent. We're like, if it happens yeah. to be around Christmas, then awesome. If not, whatever. I had a bit of a Mandela mo- Mandela effect moment where I was picturing the falling Christmas tree in Nakatomi Plaza. Oh. You know that scene where he was towards the end and he's sort of running up some stairs and a Christmas tree falls down. Yeah. And I was like, ah. Oh. That's not theirs, but does that like, – why am I picturing Christmas trees? Well, it's probably because they have the, the – Rockefeller. We'll probably talk about this, but they have the the party at the end. It's a more of a New Year's type. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, so June, Christmas in <laughs> sorry, June perhaps. A little segue there. Apologies. No, that was my segue and you simply yes ended as, as is oh, tradition. Yeah, sure. But um, – <laughs> Christmas in June <laughs> – this is a bit of a plot twist. This is a bit of a record scratch moment. Uh, a budget of $30 million with a box office gross of only $41.5 million. Now, now, for context, Greg, Gremlins 1 came out in 1984. Budget of $11 million, gross of $153 million. Now, of course, six years earlier, so maybe the sequel was a little late. We'll get into that. But it was the number four, the fourth highest grossing film of 1984, behind Beverly Hills Cop, Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Mm. It's fucking crazy, man. And side note, 1984, what a year. But it's mm. in the mix with yeah. those titans of <laughs> cinema. Yeah. Yet the second one, not so much. Now, interestingly, critic score still relatively high, 71%. Audience score, 57 now, now at this juncture, I will also like to call out that the first one had a critic score of eighty-four percent, also with a lower audience score of seventy-eight percent. But not not as much of a gap there, not as much of a delta. But it is interesting that both of these films have a higher critic score than audience score. It seems like the kind of film where it would be the other way around. Hmm, fascinating. fascinating, fascinating, and we we can touch on it in a bit more detail later. But mm. one critic gave this one a higher score than. Its predecessor. Yeah, including this guy. <laughs> we'll get into that. I like it. Spoiler alert. Um, mm-hmm. Critic consensus. Gremlins 2 trades the spiky thrills of its predecessor for loony satire, yielding a succession of sporadically clever, sporadically clever gags that add some flavour 
to a recycled plot. Those are some words. Mm. <laughs> that mm. was the sentiment, I suppose, at the time up until now perhaps. I don't really know where these critic consensus has come from. Um, but I guess that's no on the record. Does. That's on the ledger. That's that's what is attached to this film in, in, I guess, popular critic opinion. But was this a big film for you back in the day, Greg? I think that one was from the Chicago Tribune. The, the positive one was from the Chicago mm. Tribune. Is that the one you read? There you go. No, I just guessed. It's quite <laughs> often that I see Chicago Tribune. Yeah, because I think that was Ebert's one, right? I think it was. Oh, was it? Okay. And, but this, was, this must have been in the post-Ebert era. And there was a good mm. review on it. We'll get more into that. But back in back mm. in 1990, where was this a big part of your life? So was it a big part of my life in 1990? I'm not sure. Yeah, However, okay. this film at some point, and I really haven't been able to pinpoint when in the 90s it was, yeah. was massive for me. Massive. Yeah. I, I reckon I've seen this movie top ten of, of most viewed films for me easily is – Gremlins wow, 2. Wow, that's a youth well spent, man. <laughs> Fuck. I freaking loved this thing and I watched it so many times. Like I can't, it's really it's really frustrated me but I haven't been able to pinpoint when but I must have had it on, on VHS of some description whether it was off the TV or whether it was yeah. an actual one from the video store that I got my hands on somehow. I had it and I watched it. A lot. Of course, this is the era where so if, you, if you have something on video, like you probably oh, got like five videos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And this was in as high a rotation as you could have. And, you know, there was so much because, you know, in Gremlins I talked about how that was a bit of a seminal movie for me. It was one of the first movies I ever saw. Yeah, um, at the cinema. And, right? yeah, I, I loved it. And there must have been some attachment to that from the first one because – this one was like more gremlins doing more things and then the gremlins that had turned into a spider and a gremlin that could talk, all these, you know, all the things out of the lab that mutated them into these sort of, well, I, what I deemed as these genius other concoctions of gremlins was so exciting and cool. Yeah. And that's kind of all that really mattered for me in this film. And, oh, and the Rambo gizmo. Yeah, I mean, all the things you've listed there may be the only things that matter as far as I'm concerned because fuck yeah, man. <laughs> and what about you? It wasn't as big. Like I remember watching it but I'm, I'm, I think I watched the first one a lot more and I remember like very specific things like the, the, the smart one, civilised, civilised. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I yeah. think me and, me and Jono were like quoting that a lot when we were kids, civilised. Mm. Um, but other than that, it was, it's like one of those ones where like, yeah, I've seen it never really, like I missed that initial window of when this would have been hyper relevant to me in the nineties. And then I just kind of forgot it existed for ages, probably until we did Gremlins one, two years ago, by the way, um, two years ago, I was listening to the episode today and I mentioned that I was 35 and I was like, wow, it's a spring chicken. <laughs> you were mid, you were mid thirties, which you mid thirties. Now I'm mid to late thirties. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a journey, um, <laughs> but yeah. As soon as we watched Gremlins one, I think we talked about it a little bit in that episode. Like that, I was getting some flashbacks to Gremlins two, and then I was like, oh, I really want to watch yeah. it, but I'd consciously been holding back. Uh, there's some movies I don't care too much about, and I'll just watch whatever. But sometimes I really want to save it for the pod. Want to have like a pure mm. rewatch experience? Mm. 
Um, yeah. Like I'm, like I'm not going to watch Fight Club now until we do it on the podcast. There's movies yeah. where it's like I really want to have a pure then and yeah. now thing. Well, that's why we did Heat last week because yeah. I really wanted to watch it and I was like we've got to do it for the pod. I'm not going to – Yeah, I can't watch it unless it's pod material. Well, there's not enough hours in the day to watch that Well, twice precisely. more than every 20 years. Yeah. No, it be more than two <laughs> years before. Yeah. Yeah, so net-net, I, I, I watched it but I, I don't remember it as, as much mm-hmm. as the first one. Okay. Should I get into the origin story? Please. Origin story. By the way, that voice is friend of the show, Octavio Martinez, who mm. we were supposed to be seeing this weekend, and I was going to record a little video of him saying "Origin Story" live. He's not. He's not. He's not coming to the barbecue no more. No, he was coming. Now it's his sister's in sister-in-law's sister's brother's party. Auntie's nurse. Yeah. Bullshit. Mm-hmm. Get a lot of detail. When it, someone gives you a lot of detail around why they can't do something, it's it's bullshit. Just as an FYI. Yeah. It's a classic Octavia move. Yeah. Invented. Classic. It. You're listening to this, Octavia. I know you are. <laughs> <laughs> He's yelling at his transistor radio. <laughs> Mid Monday morning. Uh, I could really picture that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, this film, Origin Story. Now it's a sequel, so that goes uh, pretty far to explain the origin of this film. It's, it's the second one and the first one made money. But but just to recap where the first one even came from, um, that was from the mind of a young Chris Columbus, not to be confused with the um, guy that... He's being cancelled. ...invaded America. <laughs> yeah. um, he came up with this idea... Living in in New York and hearing mice scurrying around his apartment at night, and one might take a little nibble of his hand, and he thought, "Oh," or he would he would worry one's going to take a nibble of his hand. And he thought, oh, "What if there were gremlins?" And he was a, he was a young whippersnapper who wanted to make it big in Hollywood, and so he wrote up this wrote up wrote up this concept. Writ wrote right wrote right. He wrote up this concept. Um, into into a spec script, not even a fully formed script, but more just as a a, a bit of a almost like a demo tape to say, mm. hey, this is what I'm capable of, guys. Mm. I'm a pretty creative guy. I got ideas, man. I can write some shit. Uh, and he really just thought of it as that a bit of a, a bit of a taste, a bit of a sampler to show what he's capable of. Didn't think of it as actually a movie that would ever get made. But Spielberg thought otherwise. Spielberg saw this. Spielberg bought it. Gets Joe Dante on to direct, Bish mm. Bash Bosch, Bish Bash Bosch, fourth, fourth, <laughs> fourth biggest movie of 1984. Just like that. Just like that is how it's done, kids. It's good having Steven on your side, isn't it? Steven. Oh, it helps. They're the whole Amblin engine. Mm. Mm. Now, the thing is big, of course. Naturally, the studio wants to make a sequel. Mm-hmm. Uh, plot twist, Joe Dante isn't all that interested Neither is Chris Columbus. Oh. Um, thinks this is a natural ending. We, we didn't have franchise fever back in those days. Um, <laughs> sequel not required. And Dante goes off and makes Explorers in a Space and the Burbs. Um, Dante's Peak? <laughs> Dante's Peak. <laughs> You'll be happy to know you made that same joke in the, uh, in the first <laughs> Gremlins episode. <laughs> 
but it was more relevant because we were talking about people peaking and you're like, was this Dante's peak? Anyway. Oh, so, uh, what, so what you're saying is my jokes have deteriorated? <laughs> I'm saying you made a sequel that was worse than the original. Um, <laughs> yeah, there it is. <laughs> Uh, he makes Explorers, Inner Space and The Burbs, three movies I've not seen, while uh, before we get to this movie. And, and in the meantime, um, Warner Brothers is trying to move forward with a sequel without him and they're exploring different options. They're looking at sending the Gremlins to Vegas. They're looking at sending them to Mars. Mm. All great ideas as far as I'm concerned. But yep. for whatever reason, it, it just never progressed. Mm. They eventually go back to Dante. They say, hey, we'll give you triple the budget of the original and you can have complete creative control. He says, you son of a bitch, I'm in. And um, I think with this creative freedom and budgets that he was allowed, like the, <laughs> the film he ended up with makes perfect sense. Um, he really wanted to push the envelope. He said it's one of the most unconventional studio pictures ever. He mm. wanted to break the rules and, and essentially looked at it as um, a satire of both Gremlins itself and sequels mm-hmm. in general. So mm. really just wanted to like get loose with it. Get a little postmodern. Bit of loosey goosey. Yeah, pretty loosey goosey. Bit of pomo. Yeah. And and you know what? I think, well, we'll get into verdicts a little while off, but did it did he succeed? Oh, it's loosey goosey, all right. <laughs> um Bish Bash Bosh, you get gremlins over there in a building and then the, you know, some some green goo and mm-hmm. um some electricity, a special some effects. Dry and you ice. put lipstick on one of them. Yeah, some dry ice. Bish bash bosh, you go yourself a movie, right? Party down at the old uh, clamp bar. No, down at that. Mm. What was the name of that Canadian restaurant they went to? That place. Uh, the Moose Knuckle. Rap party at the Moose Knuckle. Uh, let's play the trailer. <laughs> Remember the last time we told you not to feed them after midnight? We told you to keep them away from the light. And the most important warning of all, we told you to never, ever get them wet. You didn't listen. Like to get wet? Like to get wet? (laughs) (laughs) They're mutating. It's the building on fire. No, no, that's a false alarm. <laughs> are you trying to panic New York City? Absolutely not. So the monsters are real? I didn't say that. Gremlins 2. The new batch. Now, was that civilized? No, clearly not. <laughs> Fun, but in no sense. Civilized. Civilized. <laughs> that was a kind of a strange trailer. Let's, I wonder how that translates in audio. Apologies if that is not at all useful. But mm. uh, visually, fun. Uh, Greg, <laughs> we had a great it leaves time. a few gaps. <laughs> we had a great time. It does leave a few gaps though, Greg. Um, so perhaps you could fill those in for us. Yeah, pleasure. Okay, mm. here is my synopsis of Gremlins 2. Tristan, we've moved to the big city, the Windy Apple. The city's so nice, they've named it twice. New York. Manhattan. Yeah. Mm. Or Metropolis. More on that later. 
Billy is working for Clamp Enterprises. They specialise in construction and town planning and sports and have a lime of jam and jellies. Uh, many things. <laughs> many things. Many things. Global domination. Uh, there's a science lab in their main headquarters here up on level 52. It's a bit of an eerie vibe through this building, Tristan. The CEO is a bit of a Trump-esque meets Ted Turner type. Yeah. He's okay, but the business itself is kind of more like some sort of Nazi Amazon conglomerate where you get fired for taking (laughs) a cigarette break Um, that wasn't planned, (laughs) which was funny, wasn't it? Um, (laughs) So, anywho, small town Bele, who we remember from the first one, he's uh, immensely talented, but he's struggling to, I guess, assimilate or conform with the progressive postmodern vibe at Clamp. Uh, Katie's there too. She's like a tour guide in the building. So at the same time, Clamp Industries is trying to buy out our old friend Kim. If you remember from the first one, that's Gizmo's owner and carer. They're looking to redevelop Chinatown. He's kind of like the last bastion of defence, I guess, before this place gets torn down. Now, sadly, Kim dies and the wrecking ball is released. It all happens very quickly, but whatever. That's show business, baby. Oh, did so, he die? He dies, yeah. I d- how did I miss that part? He passes. He was old and coughing and then he died. He was very There was old. a news report. Fuck, that's, that's They, they glossed over it. It was very glossy. Yeah. Not like Clamp Industries itself. <laughs> so next minute, Gizmo's like fleeing for his life from the, you know, the wrecking ball, literally. And he's yeah. collected by... These two creepy twins from Terminator 2. Uh, and guess where they work, Tristan? Clamp no Industries, way. level 52. Whoa. Is it 52? Let's go with 52. Yeah, why not? So, back to Clamp Enterprises headquarters. Billy over here is a courier humming the tune. Mm. Or whistling. Played or whatever. by Tuco. Who's Tuco? You want to know this from uh, Breaking Bad. But he's one oh, of the, yes. the big, the big. Well, bad I didn't guys. know he was Tuco, um, but he's in heaps of stuff. Yeah, he looks he looks so familiar. And it took me, he's one of those guys that he looks quite different, older. Mm. Like he's filled out a lot and stuff. Like the shape of his face is different, but he's like, I know, I know that guy. Yeah, he's always the sort of scary guy. He's in Training Day. He's the yeah. guy who's like, you get your poo pushed. I have my poo pushed. You know? He oh, leans over yeah. the table. And, I forgot it was in that because that was before That's a scary scene. That's when it all goes downhill. Um, But that's another movie. That's another movie. Yeah. A whole other movie. A whole other time. Damn. We're in 1990, baby. So he's worked out. He's like, hey, where you hear that? Where you hear that? And the guy's like, oh, up on 52. Mm. So he's like, oh, I've got to go up there because Gizmo is in the building. He knows that that could only be Gizmo. Yeah. So he goes up there kind of cons his way into the lab and pinches him out of this very creepy laboratory where there's all kinds of things going on mm. in line with the Nazi comparison. So he takes Gizmo downstairs, sticks him in his drawer and he's like, okay, I'll leave him there for the day. Meanwhile, what could possibly go wrong? Possibly. <laughs> so at this moment, Clamp himself, Mr. Clamp, Mm. Uh, is taking an uncharacteristic, unscheduled tour of Billy's department. Yeah. And uh, he sees some of Billy's work and he loves it. He loves it. Which is, you know, in stark contrast to the feedback he just got from his managers and those 
wanky pomo Ain't that always the way? Oh, quite often it is. Um, (laughs) Especially his mean boss, Marla. However, Mm. Clamp loves it. He's digging. He wants to be in the billy business vigorously. Uh, So suddenly Marla has a change of tune and uh, she wants to be in the billy business. So she starts, you know, the hard flirt and she whisks him off to dinner. He has to cancel his plans with Kate. And he's like, oh, and can you get Gizmo? Uh, he's got to meet the tractor guy from the first one. You know, I thought we thought he was dead in the first one. You remember? <laughs> yeah, I thought he was dead. Mm. Anyway, it's a strange choice to bring that guy back versus other people. Great yeah, choice. So we'll, well he's been in every one of uh, Dante's movies, as it turns out. Um, ah. So anyway, back at the office, a bubbler repairman is a little bit loosey goosey. Yes. And uh, gets a bit of water on the gremlin and, well, you know, the, on Gizmo. And you know the deal from here. Yeah, more gizmos. More, more gizmos, more trouble. And then they eat. More fun. More, more, go more problems. That's, that's the classic thing. As they say. Goes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was the first note of that song. Well, well surmised, Greg. Uh, and well. Was it surmised first... or was it just like line by line of the plot? It was quite long. <laughs> I wanted to give. A rich, it needed a rich intro, I feel. It did. And a lot of shit happens in this movie. And it's, it's, I guess there's some version of a plot that loosely strings it all together. Mm, of sorts. Uh, this is the kind of movie, in watching this movie, this is the kind of movie I, I totally understand if people don't like it. I totally get it. Mm. But man, I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> there's, there's like, I found in life there are some things. There are some certain pieces of art, so maybe some certain songs, and and yes, some movies that I just like. And I sometimes I don't even know how to articulate why. Um, sometimes something will just hit all your notes, and you're like, this is this mm. movie, this thing, whatever this is, this is for me. And I say that because sometimes I think when we do a movie like this, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to critically break down what it is exactly mm. and I end up just going, I love this part. How good is this part? So I guess that's my, my warning that there's going to be a bit of that happening. Well, <laughs> you know, if you, if you say uh, je ne sais quoi, it makes it sound mm. fancier and more intellectual. So, You know free. what, Greg, I'd say this film has, uh, how do you say, je ne sais quoi? Mm, a certain je ne sais quoi? It's very astute. Yeah, certain je ne sais It's quite astute on my part to say that. Mm. <laughs> and it just really has that for me. I, like, yeah, how, how was it for you? I mean, you're coming from a very different place having watched it so much. Ah, that's right. It, it's, it was interesting. It was fun, you know. It's just one kind of big party, this movie. <laughs> it really is. Turned up to an even. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so many you could you can point you can there's so many holes in the plot or whatever. But who the fuck cares, man? That's right. You got all the gremlins for one thing, and those guys are pretty fun. I think we discussed that in round one. <laughs> they know how to have fun. And even the humans in this one, I feel they've turned them up to sort of gremlins volume. You know, you got the lab yeah. cast. You know, the the yeah. Siamese Christopher twins. Lee. <laughs> yeah, like the white wizard himself. Yeah. Um. They're all weird as this, this. This whole cast is peppered with, you know, strangeness. The main yeah. character, the main sentimental character, is dressed around, is dressed up, walking around as a vampire. You know, like <laughs> it's just it's so off key and unusual. It's so funny, enjoyable, it's so weird, and enjoyable. And it's just like it's just unapologetically 
absurd and, and mm. the whole mm-hmm. smart building premise, which mm-hmm. mind you, I didn't even know they're using terms like smart building back then, but that yeah. feels very now, doesn't it? Like anyway, yes. but but it just allow, it just facilitates all this mayhem because then it, it just makes sense. You got all these things for the gremlins to play with from like fucking mm-hmm. potions or whatever those things are to to TV shows and all kinds of shit. It's just so delightful. You just jump from scene to scene of a gremlin doing something fun. Yeah, yeah. But they've obviously <laughs> it's like a, a, a skit show for gremlins. What, yeah. what if we you put know, in it's this like, scenario? You know how we did Desperado a couple of weeks ago and there was that thing called, uh, we talked about Robert Rodriguez, the one-man film crew and, and some of the principles that he has and one of those being the Rodriguez list which is if you want to make a cheap movie, you list all the things you have access to and it might be I, I, I've, I've got a Cadillac, I've got a samurai sword mm-hmm. and I've got a miniature schnauzer. And, <laughs> and Uma Thurman. And, and so you, you use that, you write a story based on having those things. And this is almost like, all right, well, how awesome would it be to have a talking one? It's like, it's like the inverse mm. of that almost. It's like what mm. are all the things we want yeah. and yeah. then what's a plot that can make that make sense? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we need the genius one. What about a spider yeah. one? <laughs> Why not a spider one? A bat one, an electricity one. Do you reckon uh, one of the guys goes, oh, and like a vegetable face one and people are like, yeah. are you fucking serious? And they're like, okay, mate, we can have a vegetable face one. And do they spend the most of the special effects movie. budget on the yeah. vegetable guy? <laughs> You're happy, Roger? You're happy? <laughs> I just think he could have maybe a capsicum pop out of his forehead over there. <laughs> pepper. Bell pepper. You got a zucchini uh, out of your forehead, Roger. <laughs> it's Oh, man, it's delightful. An eggplant, sorry, an eggplant. Damn it. And you know what? It doesn't get any better. I'm a simple man, Greg, but it doesn't get any better than full body... Gizmo running down the street. (laughs) (laughs) It makes me so happy. (laughs) It's so funny, man. It's so funny. Yeah, Greg, sorry. I'm laughing so much because Greg's doing it. You've got something, you've captured the essence there somehow. It's it's (laughs) it's amazing. (laughs) His little mouth quivers. Yeah, yeah. And in the even the opening of this movie, just to rewind for a second, well, I guess that's where we first see Gizmo again, but we're in New York. I love a sequel set in New York where it's, you know, like, oh, what's the obvious place to go next? Oh, yeah, the, the monsters are now in New York. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty – I think that's what I love about all of these, pretty mm-hmm. much everything in this movie. That's just It's just elevating all the tropes that a sequel would do. But mm. um, And we end up in Chinatown and a lot of it is real New York, which, you, again, we see less and less of these days. And mm-hmm. a lot of it is real New York. And my my background, my Zoom background that you obviously can't see, listeners, is um, of a street in Chinatown called Doyer's Street, which I thought was the actual street from the movie. And, Greg, you can vouch for this. It kind of looks like it, right? It's pretty cool. But it's it's not. The, the street that they used is the one fake street in the movie or one of maybe a couple of that fake New York street that they have in Hollywood over there and they dressed, it, they dressed it up. But it looks so much like this very specific street in Chinatown, which is my favourite street, which I want to like, I want to move to Chinatown basically. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, 333 <laughs> fake <that>. street. Yeah, <laughs> <instance>. Probably. Yeah, <laughs> but, um, oh yeah, side note, I don't know, uh, yeah, side note, uh, Ara and I are moving back to New York. So we, we've, been, we've been looking at... Uh, 
apartments and things. Mm. And this just reignited my my curiosity around moving to Chinatown over there because it's fucking cool, man. If just aesthetically, even it's just got this vibe. And access to dumplings. Access to dumplings. And this street is the dumpling. There's a place that has Nomwai Tea Parlor, which is where you get the good dumplings. It was oh. there since the 20s. Glorious. But then when I was looking for this picture for my Zoom background, again, very visual thing for a podcast, but when I was looking for it, all these results came up that it was used to be called Murder Alley. Mm, it does so look a little the, bit sketch. Yeah, well... Notice it curves again, like the street in the movie. Mm. And apparently, that's a great, great for ambushing. <laughs> oh yeah! So like in the in the early 1900s, the gangs would be killing each other on this street. But it's got a the butcher route. I would gangs in New York. Uh, Asian gangs. Um, uh, Cameron Diaz. Yeah, I think so. I think she played um, one of them. I think Scarlett Johansson will play one of. Yeah. Yeah, Scarlett Johansson would have picked up that role. <laughs> but um, anyway, my, my point there is a very vague one that is just that amongst the many things that delighted me in this film was also the delight that, that is... Uh, Your background. Those lovely Chinatown streets. Mm. Some of them were fake, some of them were real. I think also, again, like the first one, I know there's some, there's a little bit of... Some grey areas around uh, racism, but I think I think this one does a pretty good job of. People say some relatively racist things, but usually they're the butt of the joke. Like the white guy that says something like, "Who said that, Confucius or Bruce Lee or whatever?" Mm. He's an idiot, obviously. Yeah, they're like, the bad not, guys. Yeah, we're not laughing, going "Ha, ah, zinger." We're going, mm. you sound like a fucking idiot. So I think it, I think this it, film does oriented or something. Was there some sort of play on words? Yeah, about? something like that. Yeah, mm. but they're, yeah, they're they're the bad guys. Yeah, so it's it's nice to see people like this. Bad. Which sometimes when you yeah sometimes Nazis. when you press play, you're you're a little concerned that they're, is it on the right side of that joke or not? And this one seems to be, which is a big check for me. Big tick, big tick. Yeah, well, the ding, whole ding, show's ding. about equality, isn't it? You know, mm. is that right? Of the gremlins. They just want. <laughs> they just want a party. That's what they wanted. They just wanted the party, man. They just wanted the sun to go down. So you mentioned <laughs> um, in the remake that they were scoping different places for this to take place, and one of them was Vegas. Now, as much as I do love this whole the way they did this, and it's clever, Vegas is a bit of a gas, isn't it, for the gremlins? Yeah, <clears throat> some gambling. Oh, and maybe they see it taking a show. The chips, the show. You can have good celebrity cameos in Vegas. Wayne Newton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Siegfried and Roy. Wayne Newton. Who who loved Wayne Newton? I don't know. There was like one female lead of like a of a sitcom, and she was all about Wayne Newton. Probably Marge Simpson. No, she was Tom. She loves Tom Jones. Was it? It was like. Was it like one of the golden girls or like one of the mums of the nanny maybe? Yeah, something like that. Anywho, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I've I've just got a list of stuff I like about this movie. Um, but that's kind of boring. I don't, is there bigger things we can talk about here? Let's see. Well, I did <clears throat> I did think the sat you meant touched on it earlier. Mm. The satire relevance was uh you know, eerily relevant, yeah. wasn't it? It's fucking crazy, man. Because you're talking about 
clamp, right? Talking about clamp, yeah. So, yeah. well, number of things. Clamp is this sort of, you know, global behemoth corporation that's kind of taking over the world. Cleverly yeah. done in their logo is a sea squashing the planet. <laughs> and, you know, with the with the rise of the billionaire um, and the situation we're in sort of the rise of the billionaire through COVID. Yeah. Um, absolutely. But, you know, gentrification, Yeah, I guess, you know, the guys trying to tear down Chinatown, we sort of see a lot of that still. Yeah. Automation and, you know, the pros and cons of automatic lifts and yeah and all those sort of things it's it's all still relevant it really is and yeah the whole smart building thing like i said like i didn't even know that was a phrase before yeah the iphone like putting the word smart in front of things yeah um maybe steve jobs was a big fan of of gremlins to the new batch um one, one could only assume yeah and I'd, i also wonder like at the time the idea of Clamp being so uh, in so many industries, mm. like from TV to this to that. I wonder if that seemed a little far fetched, because now it's not at all. Because mm. yeah, the, the go to is uh, yeah, Donald Trump meets um, Ted Turner, mm. but neither of those guys did all those things. But now you could point at Musk, mm. uh, Zuck, bees. Bees, Oos. Bees, Oos. Uh, and they all do all those things pretty much. Uh, we haven't seen as much of, with the with the magic potions, but well, uh, that's probably that's in there. because it's behind closed doors, Tristan. Yeah, they're, they're, oh, that's it. That's like the baby. What do they call it? Ah, oh, I've been I've been getting in on this QAnon stuff from an out, not getting into it. <laughs> I'm just fascinated about it. We're pivoting um, our offering uh, here. On adren- adrenochrome, adrenochrome. What's that? That's what that's what the rich people suck out of the the the, the kids they kill. Adrenochrome. Oh, what does it yeah, do? Yeah, so powers you up. Uh, just makes you a billionaire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you see the corporations, Greg. They got the suck babies adrenochrome. Yeah, yeah, and um, I, I and and on that note, Greg of of satire and the such is it's not afraid to make a little fun of itself. You That's got things right. like um, you got the movie critic Leonard Malton, who you just picked up a book from. That's of. right, friend of the show, Sparksy, randomly sent me a 1993 film almanac by Leonard Malton himself, and then two weeks later, we're doing this movie, and who's in it? Yeah, Leonard. Leonard, Leonard Malton. Yeah, the Side universe note. provides. We were saying it would that would have made a good podcast concept to actually go through the book and like is it best left in the past can be like we compare it to Mountain's review mm. what we think of it today. Mm. Anyway, we've already got a podcast, so it's redundant. Yeah. But <laughs> but I love I, I love those parts a lot. There's there's that whole shit where the the film itself the 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 film melts and you see the gremlins making shadows in the thing. So like if you're watching this in a cinema, you think the gremlins have taken over. It's this meta mm. thing, speaking of billionaires, of like the <laughs> cinema is being taken over by the gremlins that you're watching on the screen. Like what? imagine watching that in the cinema when your kid would have been mind-blowing, even as an adult, would have been mind-blowing. It's like the ride. 
It's like it's the ride. ride, Tristan, which we talked about in the first yeah. app, um, up at yeah. Warner Brothers on the Gold, Movie World on the Gold Coast, Hollywood on the Gold Coast. Yeah. Um, the beginning of the Gremlins ride is that, is yeah. that scene and then the guy runs in and you get in the boat and you go. It's so cool. I love, I mean, I, I, I'm a sucker for meta stuff and I think, you You're know, now that sucker? we're in the, I'm a meta sucker, I tell you what, I've always been. I, I, and I think, you know, it can be a little bit cringe now that we're in the post- Ryan Reynolds' uh, world um, where him and the singularity of Ryan Reynolds becoming Deadpool. But I think especially for the time, it feels like such a fresh idea of just completely like being so self-referential. I'm I'm not saying it's the first or anything like that, but I I think it's definitely going out the the wildest. And what (laughs) the amazing thing that I love about it is – I didn't know this, but in the VHS release, they changed that to be a VHS effect. Yeah. So they they cut they changed that whole thing from being a cinema thing to really being VHS. Thing to being the yeah tape, the snowy shit, the snowy tape stuff, and then they're like changing the channels, and you can hear the grooms like <laughs> all that kind of shit. And then John Wayne comes out and he's like, "Hey, go back to your own movie," even though he died eleven years earlier. So I just love. The we talked about this in the South Park movie, in the South Park guys. I love the commitment to something so silly. Mm. The fact that they changed it for the VHS release, they didn't have to do that. I just love that they did it. Yeah, attention to detail, really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, man. It's the little things. Favorite, it's often the little things. Yeah. It's the little things. It's the little things that, that you put all that effort into that that other people don't. Those are the things. And and my favorite is um, we obviously talked about in Gremlins one, uh, Phoebe Cates who we haven't even mentioned yet. Jesus, Phoebe Cates has that random monologue about her so dad good. dying, dressed up as Santa Claus, and then they have a callback to that, which is a bit of a piss take of it's, her original one. Yeah, if, why why don't I play a little bit of both? It's so, so good. So we can yeah. we can get it. All right. So here's the original from 1984. It's a weird little tangent. In the film, even for that one, even though it wasn't super self-referential or anything like that, it's a strange moment. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. It was Christmas Eve. I was nine years old. Me and Mom were were decorating the tree, waiting for Dad to come home from work. A couple hours went by. Dad wasn't home. Mom called the office. No answer. Christmas Day came and went, and still nothing. So the police began a search. Four or five days went by. Neither one of us could eat or sleep. Everything was falling apart. It was snowing outside. The house was freezing, so I went to try to light up the fire, and that's when I noticed the smell. The firemen came and broke through the chimney top and me and Mom were expecting them to pull out a dead cat or a bird and instead they pulled out my father. His <laughs> mother's like, what the In a Santa fuck? Claus suit. He'd been climbing down the chimney on Christmas Eve. His arms loaded with presents. He was going to surprise us. 
He slipped and well, broke his he certainly neck. did. Died instantly. <laughs> and that's how I found out there was no Santa Claus. Red flag. <laughs> And I think that is, of, the, I think the benefit of doing a sequel six years later is you know what other bits that everyone talks about as mm. as being potentially odd. <laughs> and that one obviously had had a bit of a thing. And there's obviously all that shit around um, when our main guy's explaining the rules of the Mogwai and people are like, well, what about in different time yeah. zones? Or what about this? What about that? It's all the same shit that we were saying on episode one. Like I love that they happily poke holes in their own thing. Yeah. But that one specifically, she comes back with another story in this one, which is completely absurd about someone that looks like Abe Lincoln. <laughs> I'll play the clip. Yeah, play the clip. <laughs> These things get out. We'll stop them, get- Billy. Can't give up now. Washington didn't give up. Lincoln didn't give Please. up. Please. What's wrong? Oh, don't mention Lincoln. Something <laughs> terrible happened to me when you were on Lincoln's birthday. I was six or seven, and I remember I had the day off from school, and Mom had let me go to the park. She made me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I was going through that peanut butter and jelly sandwich phase. And this man with his honey, beard um, and a hat looked just like Abe Lincoln. Honey, I really don't think we've got for this now, you know? He, I remember, Come oh, on. God, he said, hello, little girl. <laughs> uh, I couldn't remember That's why so she started on that story. And it was just because he randomly referenced Lincoln. Yeah. It's like, Even and they better. obviously just put that line in just, just so she could do a dumb story. It's like, that's up there. That's some Leslie Nelson shit there for mm-hmm. delivery from her. Like that's, that's MVP material, maybe. <laughs> that's fucking gold, man. It's, I'm sure it sounds pretty good, but when you watch the video as well, like the way she delivers that. Yeah. Chef's kiss, man. Chef's kiss. It's good. Mm. So good. And the Rambo stuff. Jesus Christ, Greg. Speak, talk about speaking to us specifically. That's right. Um, Gizmo is inspired by uh, the man himself, Sly himself. He was uh, he was on board with this yeah. apparently. Hello, yeah, right. <clears> Hello, <throat> okay, it's not <laughs> happening. My throat's a little off. Oh. I'm just gonna, just not gonna talk like anyone else. Okay. <laughs> you, talk, you do you, all right. You're yeah. good just the way you are. Yeah, I'm not even gonna do <laughs> Leonard Moulton. Ah. Give us a Leonard Moulton, Tristan. Hey, I'm Leonard Moulton over here. <laughs> I don't know what he sounds like. Hey, I'm watching a movie over here. <laughs> Forget about it. Forget about it. Uh, Microwave with Marge, one of my favourite television shows within the movie. Um, mm-hmm. She gets progressively more drunk as it goes on. Get children um, soup. <laughs> another tiny joke that I adore is... Uh, you know, they go out to a fancy, uh, you know, New York's famous for its different cuisines. Uh, they go out to a fancy Canadian restaurant. <laughs> Didn't you have chocolate mousse? The chocolate mousse. Can I cut you some more? <laughs> it's, so I would, it's almost, it borders on like wet, hot American summer humour. Like it's so ridiculous. Mm. Oh, and it's so nice. It you so mentioned much. Leslie Nelson was a, a, a very astute uh, reference because, yeah, Phoebe and definitely... Um, Billy, he's like the perfect, yeah. like, sort of naive, bland, yeah, in a good way. Like, bland. They've got that word, innocent but he's thing to innocent, them. Yeah, I know like, what you mean. He just all this stuff's happening around him. He keeps he just plays it straight the whole time. Yeah, you're right. It is very 
Very Leslie-esque. Yeah. And I think there's some kind of positive vibe in this where the bad guys are obviously bad guys, um, but they're not really the antagonist at all. Like the way that long, there's not a long frustrating period where no one believes Billy. Like that gets over and done with pretty quickly and everyone's on mm. board and everyone's just trying to beat the gremlins. So mm. like even even the bad guy, even Clamp himself, is quite likeable. Yeah, that that's, that bit was a bit confusing I thought because they go into some specific attention to detail around how evil this place is, i.e. Yeah. the firing the guy for having a ciggy break. Yeah, actually, you know what? Yeah, right. You but are then right. he's not really a bad guy. He's kind of a bit of a hero at the end and very lovable and like you kind of like him and he likes Billy's work early in the movie so you never don't really like him. That's interesting because I was thinking the same thing. I forgot that the I forgot that the owner of the store died because I had a similar thing where I was like, fuck, they make you like him, but didn't he destroy that guy's store? And then when he said he died, I was like, oh, okay, that makes a bit more sense now. But you're right though because the people getting fired on the spot and that kind of shit, although that was maybe his number two more yeah, than Yeah, he didn't himself. do it. The other guy did it. It seems like maybe he's just he's created this company so big that he's lost control mm. of because all the people under him are harsher than he is. Because yeah. remember, like Billy's boss told him, you know, don't do this, don't do that. Whereas he comes down and he's like, oh, I love it. Mm. So maybe he's more Who's just bad by by you know not not being involved enough and stopping other people being jerks. Mm. Like but it is interesting because no, nah, he's weird. It might make yeah. <laughs> Um, when I was a human, oh, I mean, I still am a smoke, human. Have you seen that? Smoke he does meats. That? No. Does he talk about? <laughs> does he talk? About? He actually slips up and says, "When I was, oh, and I still am a human." He's, it's so <laughs> funny. Really? I'll still, I'll, yeah, I'll find it. I'll put a oh, clip in. What is going here. on? But it is going to bother you because you're human, and and I was human. I am human still. Um, <laughs> but um, but it, but I was just referring to myself in the past. Um. Not that I was not human. Um, it, so actually maybe you found a little flaw in this, Greg, because maybe it would have been nicer if it was maybe through the, and maybe that's what they intended, but if maybe it was, if it was through the process of banding together for the greater good that, you know, Clamp's heart grew ten sizes that day mm. and he decides to change his ways or something. Might have been a nice way. Again, it's, it's cliche, but this movie is embracing all the cliches. Mm-hmm. That might have been a nice way to... To round it out, perhaps. Mm. He's also played how he was the Luther character, Lex Luther character, whatever the name was, in Smallville. Yeah, which I never really watched, but he looked familiar. And then once I saw that, I was like, "Oh, that's what it was." Did, Did have you that watch it a little chick? bit? Yeah, <laughs> she's a babe. She's a babe. Um, he was great. He was terrific. Often those bad guys, they're, they're lame. The fact that we're even talking about in this long, they're lame and they're not. They're kind of one note. But he was complex because mm. yeah, is he a bad guy? Is he not a bad guy? He brought something to this. He could have just been a faceless bad guy, but he brought something to this. Greg, it's my kind of billionaire. His name. Yeah, John Glover. John Glover. John Glover. He has a name. His name is John Glover. <laughs> now there is talk of a third one, Greg. Uh, apparently there's been on and off talk for a long time, but mm. um, it seems like now's the right time because, you know, we get Bill and Ted 3, we got we get mm-hmm. new Star Wars, mm-hmm. new Terminators, new Blade Runners, new Ghostbusters, new Halloweens, new Jurassic Parks. New Why Germans. not? 
And from a cast perspective, I reckon Billy's probably obtainable. Absolutely, they did a they did a Doritos commercial recently with Billy and um, and Gizmo, practical puppets and everything, and um, they say it was a good proof of concept of how achievable a movie would be now with new technology. They were able to do the puppeteering like quite easily. Yeah, because now you can have more wires and shit in the shot that you can just remove with CGI. And um, Chris Columbus says he's written a script. So it's it's potentially happening, and he is adamant that it will be practical effects. Um, but he's likened it to the Force Awakens, where it's sort of a it's a sequel, so it's not a remake or anything like that. Mm. But it's a sequel that's that's independent of, I guess, could appeal to a new. Yeah, maybe I don't know. I don't know. Which I'm okay with, I guess. But I think just make the third one. Like mm. you don't have to. Don't don't get too clever. Yeah. There's a formula here. I just want to see the third one. I do, you know, the fact that this one was so, was making fun of sequels and stuff, I think there's maybe ripe territory to make fun of the 30-year sequel, which is the trend now. Mm. Because, you know, there's like Jurassic World, what if if it was a theme park with Mogwai in it or something. You know, there could be some fun to be had there. There's plenty. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's fun galore. There's fun galore. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy for it. Apparently HBO Max... Is making an animated prequel about the Mogwai, which which I'm okay with as a series. A TV origin series. story, I suppose. A bit of a origin story. A bit of an origin story. Yeah. So I'm I'm okay with that. You know, one that I'm okay with having these things on the side here and there to just add to the lore. But I want a proper third one. The whole time I'm watching this, I'm like, oh, there better be a third one coming because. Oh really. I really, it just felt like, I mean, a trilogy is such a nice round number, isn't it? I would just love to have a third one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Yeah. What about like a Gremlins versus Aliens? Yeah, I'm into that. I'm so into that. They could make fun of cinematic universes, man. Mm, there's a lot. There's, to, there's a lot of fun to be had. Yeah. If there, there was all the shit they were taking the piss out of back then, there's so much fodder. They could do Warner Brothers shit. Uh, see. It's funny because a lot of the shit we're talking about and a lot of shit they did in this movie, I guess they could have done with the new Space Jam, which I haven't seen. Did they, did they, was, was there any similarities there? It's on high rotation in my house, but I haven't sat down and watched it um, okay. properly. Uh, so I yeah. can't tell you. I've, I mean, I've heard it's not very good. Oh, really? But, but a lot of people will tell you this isn't very good, so I don't know. <clears throat> Bruce is, don't uh, know. Bruce, it's Bruce's favourite movie at the moment. Fair enough, man. Oh, get him into basketball. Yeah, okay. he's got a Is basketball. He's working on his dribbling. Nice. Um, should we get into the verdict? Yeah. I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I am I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. What are you waiting for? Ah! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. Nothing further. Your Honor. And that's all I have to say about that. Uh, what else could I say, Greg? I like this movie. I, I don't even know how to sum up why. It just is my perfect movie. Mm-hmm. I had such a great time. Oh, good. I'm glad you did. You know, you, you know what it's like when a movie, yeah. you've got sentimental attachment to a film... Yeah, and then you, we review it. You kind of you, you want the other guy to 
you know, I want you to like it, the films that I liked when I was a kid. This yeah. one, uh, it's nice. It, yeah, it's nice to know you like it. Good, good news. I like it. Yeah, good news. Did you like it? I did. I did. Yeah, it was fun. And what was interesting was that I couldn't, I couldn't stop thinking about you know the the Disney Pixar type arrangement of a film where they yeah they have it at two speeds and a parent can watch Shrek or whatever Toy Story and be watching it on a whole different level to the kids. Um, yeah, and I don't know that that was the intention here, but it was certainly the net result for me as a as a kid just watching all the fun and then in, and then obviously understanding the satire um, when I was older. And, yeah, now I think there's a nuance there as well, though. In that, I don't think this was really made for kids. I think it's a mm. bit like South yeah, Park, precisely. where it just kind of looks like it is. So you did, mm. but but my fear with the third one is that it will be for kids. Like you know. Not the Ghostbusters wasn't for kids, but just the way that a lot of the trends with these thirty-year sequels or whatever is uh, we're making about audience. kids, yeah. and it's all about kids. They will get those Stranger Things guys in there. Everyone loves those guys. Oh, like I'm not that pumped of, for the new Ghostbusters. Them, yeah, yeah. So like, I, I, what I love about movies like this and the and the old Ghostbusters, and not to say that you can't change things. I'm not. I'm not that guy, pal. I'm not that guy. And <laughs> I just <laughs> I just think that there's something so hilarious about these ludicrous movies with just very mediocre adult humans in them. Like that's part of the fun to me mm. versus a kid being in there. And, of course, a kid would get it like they're kids. But, I don't know, there's something funny about boring old men responding to these, the, yeah. the absurdity. Yeah. Um. Did Simpsons do it? Yes, we covered it last time. There's a, there's a ton of references. Mm-hmm. Um, the grandma on the side of the bus, etc. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, porn, porn parody, I, I was brave enough to Google it. Um, aside from some fan art, uh, there's no official porn parody, <laughs> it seems. <laughs> yeah. Um, Bechdel test, probably not. I think I think the female gremlin is probably the opposite of Bechdel test. Mm. A bit of a Smurfette trope there. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, here's a point there. <laughs> She's alive at the end. She's the only one that survives. So yeah, maybe that's yeah. a point. Probably a still living happily now. She, who's to say the third wouldn't he, be he centered did. around her? Because he's like at the end. He's like, yeah. Did you notice that? Yeah, he's so up like for the it. joke is they got married or something, and then she shows up at the end. She's not dead, and this guy's like. I guess I could do worse. That's what his face says. Can you imagine banging a so, gremlin? Maybe the third one should just be their love story. Mm, the way all mucusy and whatnot. There's so much inconsistency in like the gremlins' behavior. Like sometimes they kill you, other times they just want to chat. Like it's, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I like that volatility. Uh, yeah, same. <laughs> um, FX test. Oh, fuck yeah, man. Mm-hmm. I thought even the electricity gremlin was cool. Oh, yeah, I forgot about all, him. It was all great. Yeah. They're all there. The the bat one that gets in the cement. Very Although I don't know why heroes. wet cement doesn't count as getting wet. Um. <laughs> don't, don't go. Don't go. Don't do yeah, it. Yeah, don't, don't go too deep. Yeah. It ain't that deep. Um, uh, this isn't really a recast this kind of film though, is it? No. Um, no well, it wasn't for me. Yeah, I got, I got nothing there. Just bring them all back. Bring them all back. Phoebe Cates is, is, is due for some screen time, I think. Oh, yeah. And you know what? MVP, I think I've got to give it to John Glover as, as Mr. Clamp himself. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, times two. Why not? He brought a lot to this that is, you know, I would say above and beyond. Mm, the other guys are kind of blank slates, so it's hard to give yeah. it to like Billy. He's good, but it's, I don't know, the performance is what it, it's, mm. it's, it's a thankless role perhaps a little bit. <laughs> a necessary blandness. I did, um, I yeah. did like, uh, what, what's his name, Mr. Vampire? Not the, like not the TV vampire, uh, yeah. the, the lab man. Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee. I enjoyed it. Yeah, he him. was good. They're all good. Yeah, he was good. They're all good, man. And we had John Aston in there as the janitor guy. Of course. Mr. Gomez. Yeah. Uh, and that was good too. Maybe that's a low key for me actually. He was great. Because I didn't recognise him right away and I was like, man, mm. even these small roles, the performances are amazing. And then yeah. I was like, oh, it's John Aston. <laughs> it's, it's a highly decorated performer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Peppered. Sean Aston Senior. Yeah, peppered. Uh, it shocks me that like um, Roger Ebert hated it, Siskel hated it. It's funny, isn't it? Yeah, well, you never know. I love it so much. There's no accounting for know. taste. Yeah. And, yeah, to be fair, it's the kind of movie where if you don't like it, I can't really defend it because mm. any flaws that you point like, out yeah. in this movie, they're, they're, they're probably there. So there's nothing I can say. It just works for me. Yeah. Um, it's on Netflix now if you're in Australia, so go check it out if you haven't seen it in a while. Strong recommendation from us. Yeah. couple um, of – hour and a half of silliness. Yeah. You won't be bored. What are we doing next week? Uh, are we into Christmas movies yet? What are we doing Fucking next hell, week? What is this year? Oh, I've got a mental man. blank. It's, it's not – Oh, a- Aliens? Aliens? Alien. First one. Yeah, we're doing Alien next week, guys. Alien. Oh, that's a big one. That's a massive one. It is. Fuck yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited about that. Me too. Might go start it now. Whew. I tell you what I'm not excited about. I can't start it now because I've got a 6.30 a.m. meeting tomorrow. 6.30 a.m. Oh. Yeah, this is my life now, Greg. I'm working on US time. That is an early meeting time. Yeah. If it makes you feel any better, I'll probably have some digging his elbow into my face at 6.30 in the morning as I f- poorly attempt jiu-jitsu. I'm too old for this <laughs> learning curve. It's terrible. <laughs> oh, man. That's all right. You get there. It's just like watch the Will Smith yeah. thing and you'll get pumped. I'll watch Alien. Start writing your memoirs. Memoirs. There's a lot of scene missings in those memoirs, Tristan. I'll need a ghost yeah. memory. <laughs> ghost writer who can remember things. <laughs> oh, we've got a visitor. Say hello. Hey, Brucey. Hello, friend of the show. Leave a review. Leave a review. Okay, yeah, yeah. Want to go up to bed? But I have a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Yeah, Tristan got one too. Okay, buddy. We'll thanks for the, the thanks for the show. Thanks for the, yeah, we'll leave that in the show for sure. <laughs> Good night, buddy. He loves when we get reviews, doesn't he? Mm. Um, we'll see you next week, guys. Uh, as little Brucey said, leave a review. Don't break his poor little heart. Yeah. He's a sweet boy. Why would you do that? And in the meantime, we'll get busy on making another episode. We'll release it same day next week and you can have a little listen then. Yeah. Uh, we'll see you then. Gremlins to aliens. Yeah. <laughs> to alien. Seamless. Alien. Alien. It's on Disney <laughs> Plus, I believe. Yeah. That's a, that's a treasure trove, isn't it? It is, it is, it is. All right, guys, catch up.